Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge-On Simmons. Welcome into episode 140. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. I want to thank you guys so much for continuing to leave us some five-star reviews wherever you get your podcasts. Keep those coming. Christian, how are you? I'm very good. I'm I wonder excellent. why that is. I'm swell. Um, some might even say that I'm ecstatic. I wonder why how that are you? is. Oh, I'm I am doing... that way because no, – I don't care. I am that okay. way because <laughs> – You asked. I mean – I know, but then I'd already I'd – I was going to stall a little bit longer. <laughs> so here's another way into the way that my brain works and why I'm probably not the best person is because you said – I I – you know, I just moved on because I wasn't sure you're going to answer. And then you started to answer. And my brain, instead of thinking to say, oh, sorry, and letting you talk, my brain was like, just tell him you don't care. So you yeah. can keep your thought going. Well, so, we know you, we knew like I knew ahead of time you didn't care anyway. You were just asking to be nice. No, I do care. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We talk about UCF's new uh, helmets now. Well, I assumed you'd also be doing good as like I am due to UCF's amazing new helmets. Yeah. New gold helmets. Uh, you can have the floor for now and I'll just react i hate when you do that that puts pressure on me to talk which you know i, I clearly <laughs> don't do well it is quite um, your thing so yeah so that came out of nowhere the ucf equipment account uh, equipment accounts tweeted the eyeball emoji at like 321 today and we were trying to figure out what it could be and then the football team the football account followed up with their own tweet and i got locked in on i bet they're gonna drop like the space game patch or something because i thought oh if the 321 tweet they a couple years ago for the 2021 space game they dropped that over the summer i think so i'm like okay that's what it is and my, my theory it. was just that it would be the game, like which game they're going to be having the yeah, space game for. Exactly, because they still haven't announced that, I don't think. Yeah. And instead, UCF goes, hey, here is our combo for the Kent State game. Here's what In we're going to wear. Days. In 100 days. And also, here is a new gold helmet. They have changed the shade of their gold helmet. And this isn't even like a tweak that I feel like casual fans would be like, oh, whatever. Like, it's like a pretty dramatic change. Like, this is a whole freaking new shade of gold. It took me a minute, though. Because I was like, oh, cool, they're wearing gold helmets with the Nightmo jerseys. And then, like, you you like point out, you're like, that's a different shade of gold, yeah. right? And I was like... <laughs> you texted me yeah, and you said, oh, look, it it's gold helmets. And I'm like, I think... Because they originally just posted a photo of it without the comparison. And I'm like, I don't think that's the same gold helmet. Yeah. And then and they we posted the right. one that said, like, 2016 through 2022 was the old one. And Here's... then there's just... This version's, like, lighter and just nicer. Here's the way my brain works. It looks like it's gold, is, is the easiest way yeah. to describe it. And it's not that the other ones didn't look gold. It's that... I feel like the easiest way for me to describe it is that the old helmets looked like a football helmet that was gold and the new ones look like a helmet that is literally made of gold. Like it's just something about the shine and the glint on yeah. it and the shade they went for. It just, it looks like a Christmas ornament almost, but it's not chrome. It's just this really, really vibrant color. And it's kind of funny the way your brain works. Cause I never in my life for one second have had a problem with UCF's gold helmets. I've never thought they needed to change. And then I saw the side-by-side photo and I'm like, oh, this needed to happen. Like <laughs> I, I needed to, it, it, it looks really awesome. Yeah, it does. And and I'm, I just, the way they dropped them, I was just not prepared at all. That was I random. Prepared. Yeah. They, I mean, they could have said, even the fact they could have said like, all right, here's our new gold helmets. That would have been a shock enough. But the fact that they were like, here's what we're wearing for a game against Kent state in a hundred days. I didn't think they'd be breaking out new gold helmets against Kent state. I didn't think they'd be wearing night mode jerseys against Kent state. It and this is why it, I guess, surprised me. but it's funny, the Kent State game, we've been, we need to recontextualize that game, it turns out, because we've just been treating that game as, I think I texted you as a joke 
two or three weeks ago, I said that I would bet any amount of money that they're going to wear white, black, white for that game. Just yeah, that, that was like, like last week, I think. Yeah, and and no, they're wearing gold, black, <laughs> black for like the fourth time in school history um, or modern program history, I should say. But it's funny that you bring up, because I guess we should say the combo is gold helmet, black night mode jersey, and then the black pants. And it's why this needed to happen. And I never even really had thought it would, but it so obviously did is that part of the issue with UCF's new uniform set, which we obviously like a lot. We've discussed that at length is that, you know, they obviously paired back. They don't have anthracite and pewter anymore. They went down from six jerseys to three jerseys and that's fine. But part of the issue was that we saw last year is that I was pretty firmly under the impression. And I think I've said so at the, on the pot at some point that night mode can really only be used as a blackout. And I suspected they only ever intended to use it as a blackout because the gold on the jersey and those gold numbers didn't really vibe with the gold helmet. It, it just, it wasn't the same shade. And I don't know if I go so far as to say is this is the exact same shade because there's a different when you're talking about the, the material of a jersey and yeah. the, the material of the helmet. But in the photos they posted, this gold helmet matches the gold of the Nightmo jersey so freaking well. That opens up all kinds of new combos. It opens up this gold, black, black look that we're going to see, which I think is like, off the top of my head, probably one of the top five, top 10 combos ever for UCF. It opens up the idea of doing gold, black, gold, gold, white, gold, all these new combos. And that's another thing I want to say is that this lighter gold also matches their pants so much better than the old mm. gold helmets. Like that was always the issue with you could try it like they did against Houston in 2020 and it looked good, but you can see that shading difference. And for people like me, it it bothers you a little bit. And that feels like that's gone now. I think they can pull off a lot of new combos now just by lightening the gold on the helmet. It seems that way, and I think we kind of messed up because we didn't talk about how, or we didn't mention at the top how this gold helmet that they've unveiled is being used with the gold, like the gold decal, the chrome and the gold script. decal, and the script knights, yeah, and the script side. one there. They it's that the too. gold flake. It's the gold flake script knights that they used against SMU in 2021, I think, as well. Um, that's my one only thing. I don't know if I love the chrome gold on the on gold. I'm I not mean, sure. not for oh, that's the, me playing the video from Twitter. Um, <laughs> I think. For a yeah, for a game like not as like a standard look, obviously not that they really have a standard look, but I I like it for a game. I think it's gonna look fine for this game in particular because, um, Kent State's what like a six p. Do we have a kick time for Kent State? Um, I don't yet. know that we actually do. Okay, well let me spoil it. it, it let me spoil be. it. It's gonna be a six p.m. kick. I'll yeah. bet you anything. Um, because it's an ESPN Plus game and UCF just basically picks when they want to play for those. Maybe six. But... I was thinking more like seven. I think six? when they get to choose, they do six. Oh. Um. I don't want to take us on a tangent, but why? I it's don't. A thir- it's a Thursday. I don't like the. It is a Thursday, and for that reason, it'll be seven. I forgot it's Thursday. Okay. Um, okay. You're right. You're good. Right. Good because I was thinking like people trying to get there at six. I mean, if you don't take a half day or you don't take the day off, you're not getting there at six on a Thursday. From work. They, they, yeah. So that's what they. Uh, I was thinking. So when it's a Saturday and they get to pick the time, they usually pick six thirty. And when it's a weeknight and they get to pick the time, they usually pick seven. So SC yeah. State was seven last year, so it'll be a seven o'clock kick. That's we got so off the rails. So that's fun. <laughs> by the way, I know that like there is a significant portion of our audience that presumably does not care much about uniforms, and like I guess we should have prefaced like, don't worry, we're going to talk about something else on this podcast. You, you, you can feel free to skip this part if you don't care. I won't be offended. Like, yeah, if, skip ahead if, like just a couple minutes. I don't think we'll be too on this for too much longer, unless you're driving, in which case you are a captive audience and can do nothing as we continue to you know talk about how awesome these uniforms are please don't try to do it on your phone while you're driving we don't want you in a car crash our listener who does not like uniforms um but anyway all of this was to say that since it's nighttime the chrome's not gonna like it there's not gonna be sunlight really making it pop off the helmet so it's gonna look mostly dark and i think it'll work for a night game but yeah that was the only thing where i'm like eh, i don't i don't think i love chrome gold on a gold helmet but i do love this new shade the script looks awesome on the other side yeah 
they're gonna be able to do so much cool stuff with this. I I, I mean, I'm I'm really excited. J- just not only for this new helmet that looks so much better, but also I just think by allowing night mode to be used for other things, you're opening up a lot of cool combos here. And yeah, pants. I know. I I like it a lot. And it was one of those things where again, it just came out of nowhere to me, and it was like. They posted the graphic earlier. It was like, oh, we're 100 days away from our first bounce and had the Big 12 logo. And I was like, oh, man, nice round number, 100 days. I can't wait. And then like an hour or two passed and then they dropped this. And I was like, oh, so today's actually a really big deal. Um, yeah, yeah I, I was convinced it was going to be a space game related announcement. I thought I was onto something with the 321 and I was not. But now we have so. something else to look forward to, presumably in the next, I don't know, month or so. They're going to announce the space game at some point, right? In the patch. I like, don't know. Maybe. What if they just don't? I mean, they have to to sell merch, but they got to. Is it going to be Houston? Since they won't, sh- I I don't even think. I think I forgot to bring that up on last week's podcast. There was a Houston Chronicle article, so now hearing it from both sides about how, oh yeah, Houston and UCF, they're apparently teaming up for a space rivalry. So oh God, I hate it so much. Yeah, I hate it so too. much, and we don't have to really get into it more than this. But like, I like that the space game is a different opponent, like it's like a different like every year. I like that it's different. I don't want it to be the same opponent, the same weekend, the same game every year. My issue more than that is that, but also the whole thing stuff, about forcing a rivalry. That's it's too. not even that to me, which that's dumb too. But hey, it's college football; they're, they're going to continue to force rivalries. I mean, we went if we got through the conflict, we can get through this. But <laughs> it's more that the space game has become so synonymous with UCF. Like when I look at the game this past year, where the broadcast was hilarious, and they have nonstop crowd shots of people in Star Wars uniforms and astronaut uniforms and costumes and all this stuff, and everyone knows that that's what UCF is now. It's the space thing. It's it's this big marketing and branding opportunity that they've done such a good job of taking advantage of and i can't for the life of me figure out why you would voluntarily share that with another school i'm not saying that houston doesn't have a claim to space they very much do for all the random teams that have struggled to find a way to make space work since ucf first tried it in 2017 like houston has a good claim i just don't get why as ucf you would voluntarily say we're going to take this thing that is very much ours and a big part of our brand and split that down the middle with another school and make it no longer our thing. I don't know why they would voluntarily do that. Here's but. literally a hand, like we're extending our hand, take it, and we will bring you up to this level of this really cool thing we do. Exactly. Every year, apparently. So that that's oh. frustrating. But what's not frustrating is these gold helmets. I'm also really happy that, and I said this to you earlier, I'm also really happy that people seem to like them a lot because I'm really sick of every time I like a UCF uniform thing, people on Twitter are like, oh, typical Christian. Loves everything UCF does. I told you when they sound like people on Twitter. I know. I think I think that is exactly what I sound like. But I I um when they dropped these, I even texted you. I said like I was rooting for myself to not like them so I could just once not like a UCF thing and people would stop calling me a homer. But I love the helmets. They look so good. (laughs) How can you not like them? I just I'm very excited to see who's on the field. Okay, Homer. Um, let's move on to the next thing. Anyone that's still with us who didn't want to listen to uniform talk, but couldn't fast forward because you were driving. We're now moving on to what we're here to talk about, which is an idea that you came to me with that came from something the athletic did, right? Yeah. So Um, the athletic did this pretty interesting article last week, which you guys might've seen where they, they did a concept where they basically said for every power five coach, if you could give them truth serum and ask them one question that they had to answer. Honestly, what would the question be? And I thought that was a super interesting concept. Now, a lot of the questions the athletic chose were frankly stupid, especially UCFs, which yeah. uh, Manny, Manny Navarro, who's the Miami beat writer for them, picked it. And it was like, it, it was like, like his, his truth serum question for Gus, like Gus has to answer honestly was, do you think you'll be competitive next year? Like, I don't, I, 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 I thought it was it's so dumb. Yeah. But anyway, so, but we thought that's a cool concept. So why don't we, 
come up with our, let's say that Bailey and I have access to truth serum, which I'm not even sure if truth serum is a real thing ex that exists, but Bailey and I have access to it. And we are now administering it to Dangerous. some notable figures from UCF's history, former coaches, current coaches, former ADs, current AD. And we're going to ask them some questions. If we could do this and give them truth serum, what questions would we ask them? And that's what this podcast is going to be about, along with what we think their answers may be. This was a difficult thing to do, I think, because there are so many questions you want the answer to. And I kind of took more of a humorous route with some of these. And part of that was just because my mind always goes to humor, I think. But also, I think there's like some interesting topics that these questions could, you know, allow us to talk about. You want to start with Gus? I Why don't we start, we'll start with Gus? With... We can start okay. current times and move backwards. We can start with Gus Malzahn. Gus has been given the truth serum. He is now ready to answer our questions. Would you like for me to start or do you want to go first? You can go ahead. I will. Okay. My question to you, Gus Malzahn, under this truth serum, how much longer do you plan on staying at USF or UCF? Why did I say US? Oh, because that's why. Never mind. UCF. Why did you Gus say Malzahn? USF? Because I just got a text because I was telling and this is a way off of a tangent, but there was just some trash talk going on between me and someone with about USF. And then someone else sent this like students wanted thing into the group chat. And it's like, they want students for scouting on campus, recruiting all this other stuff. And the person said additional opportunities at quarterback, offensive line, running back, wide receiver, tight end, defensive line, linebacker, defensive back too. Yep. So I was laughing at that. Anyway, Gus Malzahn, how long do you plan to stay at UCF? That was and almost my question. So that was a good one to okay. ask. It's a curious thing because we talked about it a little bit in the last month or so, I think, on the podcast. Um, just generally what the trajectory is for UCF as they enter the Big 12, but also what Gus Malzahn's plans are and what his goals are in terms of building up UCF in the Power Five and how much longer he wants to keep coaching because, you know, he's getting up there in age and it could be any year now, really. But I think he's really invested in this project. And I'm curious to know what his ultimate end goal is. Is it he's staying until they win a conference championship? Is he staying until, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the, like, so that's my answer. That's my question to him. What will the answer? Yeah, be? I'd be super curious because say that I were to ask Gus Malzahn this without remembering to administer the truth serum, he would reply <laughs> by telling me that, you know, this place is set up and that, you know, it, he always <laughs> felt that if the right guy was going to stay here and build it, that this place would be able to <sighs> achieve anything and blah, 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 blah. You know, the line, right. that he, the line that he gets quoted <laughs> and pretty much what I love is there are a lot of like, anytime a national publication comes in to write a story about UCF, like it was USA Today a couple weeks ago, he always says that and they don't realize it's something he said 90 times and it's like their lead quote. I love that. But yeah. anyway, if he were answering honestly, I'd love to know because it's interesting for two reasons. It's interesting from the perspective of Gus Malzahn hasn't legitimately been at the point yet at UCF where they've been good enough that he would receive a big time offer. I'm talking an SEC or Big Ten offer, which he's still young enough that that could come if UCF was randomly like 12 and two next year or something like that. Yeah. And it's from the perspective of when he got hired at UCF, he said he said a few times that his ideal timeline was coaching eight to 10 more years. Now, a lot has happened since then. College football has changed dramatically. He's given up play calling. Also in his personal life, the Christy Malzahn health scare and everything he's talked about on the record with the Orlando Sentinel, how much that changed his perspective on life. I don't know if I, I have a hard time believing that eight years from now, Gus Malzahn will still be UCF's head coach. And I'm curious what his internal timeline is. Is he thinking, let's get them to the Big 12 and I'll set them up for a couple of years and then I'll pass pass the reins? Is he thinking, I want to I want to really go at trying to achieve something here and let's stay another decade? I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. And I'd love to know the answer. It's also interesting from the perspective of like, I feel like whenever, not we kind of knew toward the end of 2017, yeah, okay, Frost is going to get taken away. We knew like when when the 
when Danny White left, Josh Heibel became a candidate. Like, I just would like to be prepared for the next time UCS is going to have a head coaching search. So but, if he that's the thing, because with both me, with both Frost and Heupel, like Heupel leaving when he did was a surprise just because of where it was in the cycle and Danny White acting like he wasn't going to do that. But I don't think anyone thought that Josh Heupel was going to stay here for 10 years. Like the assumption was always that he was going to leave once he got a big time offer. I think people felt the same way about Frost. Um, yeah, I, I this has always felt different just because of where Malzahn's at in his career and the fact that he just. He seems to genuinely really love coaching at UCF. I think it's just such a shocking culture difference from what he experienced in the SEC. And it's a place where everyone's perfectly aligned, right? From Cartwright to Mahadra to him, where he has a lot more unquestioned control over his program and where it really is this up and coming team with a lot of potential at a really pivotal time in its history that he can kind of shape himself as one of the key figures in UCF football history if things work the way they're supposed to. So that's all it's... He seems happy here, but yeah, you know, it's easy to seem happy. Like what happens if let's say that next season is better than expected. UCF's like eight and four or nine and three in year one. And then let's say in 2024, UCF builds off of that and they win the big 12 that year, or they go to the 12 team playoff or something like that. At that point, he'd be like 58. I think that's young enough that a team would absolutely be interested in hiring. And what happens when a, I don't know, when a Michigan state, has a job opening or someone back in the sec has a job opening. Is he still, is he going to say, no, I'm fine here. Or is he going to say, wow, you know, I really would love to prove myself at the highest level again and go to that job. I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And the thing on the point about him being really happy is you can see, I think some people who covered him at Auburn and just people who knew of his time at Auburn have said like fairly recently, just over the last couple of years, he just seems like a different, like he just seems like he has a weight off his shoulders at UCF. Like he just, feels better and feels happier so yeah it's interesting to know what yeah on the the front of are you gonna look at other jobs or two are you a few years away from just calling quits and hanging just hanging back and watching some football enjoying time with your family i don't know yeah i mean if i had to guess like if i had to pick one of those i i think that barring like dramatic failure him getting fired which i don't think is necessarily likely but i if i had to guess i'd say he he's gonna retire and i'd say it would probably be within the next five years Mm-hmm. maybe less i don't yeah, know seems don't know. about right i guess it depends too because it, it, it you know let's say that ucf it, let's say he's not interested in leaving and ucf gets very good like by 2024 they're making the 12 team playoff he might be like hey i'm the head coach of a really good football team and i like winning <laughs> and i'm That's gonna true. try to keep this going i mean especially if he feels like he's close to breaking through to like a later round in the playoff like a semifinal. it's weird that we're going to start thinking about college football in those terms like kind of like the NCAA tournament, right? Like it's going to be less like, oh, they won the Peach Bowl last year, but like, oh, they had, yeah, they had made a semifinal run or like you're yeah, going to see coaches get fired for first round losses because their expectations should be like going a step further. I will make a bet right now that you will see a, a coach fired after a first round playoff exit as soon as 2025. I think by <laughs> year two, it will happen because the first time, because it is going to be by like for, you know, a UCF, like making the 12 team playoff will be a huge deal. If you're Ryan Day at Ohio State and you don't secure a bye to the second round and then lose in the first round, that's like you, you have failed. <laughs> like, yeah. like we need a coach that can get in here and, and earn us a bye or at least get us into the next round. Because think about it. That's a program right now that considers a Rose Bowl appearance not acceptable. And the Rose Bowl like that, like a New Year's Six appearance becomes the equivalent of not only a first round, but like a second round appearance in this new playoff setup so if you're going on the first round for top tier programs that's going to be considered not okay it's the losses to michigan too obviously but yeah that's that is where they are i think we're not going to do that we're not a national college football podcast but i, I think if i think ryan day is going to get fired ohio state's the stupidest program in the world to me because like 
you can go 11 and one every year there, but if the one loss is to Michigan, they will eventually fire you. Like I, I actually kind of find it fascinating, especially since the reverse isn't true. Like Harbaugh could not beat Ohio state. And Michigan was like, that's fine. Like, okay, you're, doing, you're doing good things for us. <laughs> All right. Your question for Gus. My question for Gus Malzahn. Now that the truth serum is administered. How many times can I say truth serum on this podcast? Let's shoot for at least 50 times more. <laughs> and also administered. That's, that's another buzzword for the podcast. Now that the truth serum has been, uh, administered i can't think of another <laughs> word Give it, injected. injected 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 sounds so like violent though i don't want to i don't know we're injecting coaches with you know truth serum but here we i guess that is the whole premise of this i kind of imagine the truth serum is like a drink actually now that i think about it it's yeah it's possible so you were thinking of like a needle injection or yeah but as soon as i said that i was like oh maybe you could drink it i don't know That's a good let's question. let's let's get let's get going okay well it's we like you it. can't you can't like drink a flu shot so i don't think so that's <laughs> probably same for truth serum if it is a real thing that exists but anyway on to the topic so now now that gus has <laughs> sipped a refreshing glass of truth serum i can ask this question and my question for him is what do you truly believe ucf ceiling as a program is and hmm. this goes back to what he always says if the right person stays here and builds it and he talks about all the time on the record it's still crazy how he's like i want to win a championship here he said in his opening press conference ucf can win a national championship and in his defense, 2021 offseason college football and 2023 offseason college football are completely different sports. But I would love to know if he had to honestly answer me what he actually thinks the ceiling of this program is. And I'm not saying he's lying, I, but I want to know, does he legitimately think that he can turn UCF into a program that can win the national championship? Because there are maybe five programs capable of doing so. And if not, what does he think the ceiling is? Does he think it's a regular playoff team? Does he think it's a nine win? Like, what does he believe, especially now that he's been here for two years, this program is capable of? This was this just gave me a harsh realization. Go on. I'm curious about his answer because I'm like thinking about my own answer, and I'm like, I don't. Can UCF win a national championship? I firmly like, don't believe they can, and I, I don't, don't think that's that, a yeah. hot take. I don't know that they can, but I think a lot of people would be like, what do you mean? Of course, they'll win one in the next six years. The thing like, I know, well, UCF fans are insane. We've known that since we started this podcast. But yeah. the the thing with you have to think about if you're saying that, yes, you believe that UCF can win a national championship is the question you're really asking is, do you believe that, especially, with, well, particularly with the new era we're moving into, do you believe that UCF is capable of constructing a roster that can beat four top 10 teams in a row? That's yeah. what you're asking. And I don't believe the answer is yes. I don't. And that's not any kind of dig at UCF. I don't believe the answer is yes for the vast majority of college football teams. I was going to say, I was gonna I think say it's for gonna the be, Big 12. You know, I don't know that any of the Big 12 programs are going to win a national championship. Like, I don't think so. Soon. I don't think so. And, and you know, and that's why the 12-team era, it's going to be a lot more fun because the issue, and we don't have to get into a whole sermon about how the 12-team playoff is going to work, but the idea behind that, as we've talked about, as national media have talked about, blah, 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 was that it's not about changing who wins it. It's that we've reached a point with ESPN and the media coverage and everything else that the only thing fans care about is did their team make the playoff or did they not? 10 years ago, going to the Rose Bowl was a big deal. Going to the Orange Bowl was a big deal. And now the only thing that matters is your season was a success if you were one of the four teams in the playoff and your season was a failure if you were not. So the only way to fix the sport and get it back to people caring about stuff like in the BCS era is to expand the playoff because then you're going to have teams that know they can't win it, but they're still going to get into the first round, maybe win, get to the second round and that takes the place of what the BCS era used to be and those BCS bowls used to be. But I think that UCF absolutely can get to the point where they are making the playoff regularly, like once every three, four years, maybe even more. But no, I don't buy that in this current era, they're going to, I don't buy that what in the conference they're in, even that they're going to be capable of winning a national championship. And I have a hard time thinking Gus does. 
yeah, I'm saying taking it back to Gus, I'm very curious if if he really truly believes that UCF can win a national championship. Yeah, I, I'm curious I too. Maybe he does because coaches are competitors, and and yeah. you know he they've recruited very well. They haven't recruited national championship well, obviously, but maybe he believes that they get into the Big Twelve and continue to succeed, and then they're getting maybe instead of getting one top 100 guy in a cycle, they're getting three, and maybe and maybe he believes if he stays long enough, he can turn them into that. I don't know. I'd love yeah. to know what he thinks though. Wouldn't it suck? If you administer the truth serum and I ask Gus and I'm like, what do you think? Like, just totally honest. What do you truly believe UCF ceiling as a program is? And he's like, I don't know, like eight and four. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the downside of, of the truth serum. Um, we need to move on because we will be here for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, we spent we have a few people. We'll, we'll speed it up. But we spent All a right. long time on Gus, but that's Terry fine Mohajer. because the, the, the current stuff is the most yeah, important stuff. That's true. Terry Mohajer. OK, you're you're now in the chair that you sit in when you drink the refreshing truth serum. Okay. Do you want to go first with this one since I went first with Gus? Yeah, I can ask Terry the first question okay. now that he's had a glass of truth serum. And my question for Terry Mahajer is, what do I personally or does the world have to do to get Pewter back in the uniform I cycle? I knew this is where you were going with it. Yeah, that's you not my to. real question. That's not my oh, real question. Oh, is it not? I say, yeah. I, it's a valid question to me. I have a real one, but it legitimately infuriates me that we have an AD who has just canceled my favorite color. I, and off of, and off everyone, of the and dumbest thing in the not, world, too. Not but, everyone, but a lot of people, I think, really enjoy it and like it. And he's still just not going to bring it Yeah, back. but Terry Mahajer watched one game with a pewter combo he didn't like and said we need to dramatically alter the future of UCF's uniforms. So thanks, Terry. Um, I think you're doing a great job as AD, but I'm also not sure I like you literally just because of that. Um, <laughs> but my real question for Terry Mahajer is this. The Big 12 is clearly going to expand. They might add Pac-12 teams. They might add Big East basketball teams. They might add group of five teams. What I want to know from Terry Mahajer is who do you want to see the Big 12 add? Like you're one of the ADs. You're one of the people who's in the room on some of these talks. What do you want to see the Big 12 become? And are, I guess I'm, I guess it's like nine questions, but, and are you worried <laughs> about the idea of the Big 12 adding West Coast teams and UCF being more and more isolated geographically? That's a really good question. Mine, mine by comparison is going to look even just more comical, but that's a really good question because I, I don't know. I, I would imagine he wouldn't want to see it. I don't know. I wouldn't I imagine he doesn't want to see it go the way that Brett Yarmark wants it to go in terms of it being a basketball power. It already is a basketball power, but to just add all the more basketball brands, Terry's sitting there probably like, please don't do that. Like I just, I know. He's like, I, I can't care enough about UCF basketball as it is now. Like, do I have, you're really going to do this to me even more. So that would probably be like his answers probably wouldn't be like Gonzaga and UConn. Um, but that's why I find it interesting because the Big 12 has lots of exciting stuff they're planning to do. And what I've realized is, and it's not like any of it's an issue, but almost every plan that's been floated as far as expansion and new members is something that really isn't good for UCF. Like I know UCF fans are very excited about the idea of adding Pac-12 teams. And obviously that cements the Big 12 as a powerful league. They probably get some more money, but it's still just it, UCF is already on this geographical island. And as you shift the league more and more west, the only other East Coast teams are West Virginia and Cincinnati, and they're right next to each other. So they're paired. Like, you look at a map of this conference when you have those Pac-12 teams, and UCF is just... I mean, and and this stuff matters not just for football. I mean, I just... I can't imagine the softball team. Like, how is that going to impact, like, what some of those other sports are capable of when they're having to do these insane flights and travels for, like, every game? And that's where all the ACC stuff gets so interesting, because, like, my answer, if I'm Terry, would probably be, like, I would love to to pick some teams away from the ACC if I could. Yeah. Like some I don't those, think like, that's happening because they can't I don't think leave. it's happening either. But like they physically can't. There's a grant of rights that prevents any of them from leaving. That's why Clemson and Florida State haven't ditched yet. They would have by now if they could. I'm going to set the record straight for you right here. We just got a tweet from uh, Brian Peterson, Wild Bill. 
He said to make sure that we mentioned on the pod how just a week ago you doomed UCF to lose the CFP over gold, and now you suddenly love it. I don't think you've ever had a problem with gold helmets. I think it's the gold jerseys. Okay, Brian. Because that was that was Brian's Brian's question was about gold jerseys. UCF had to wear gold jerseys for three years to win the college football playoff. He and, he's putting words in my mouth, Brian. You yeah. you know damn well that I was talking about <laughs> gold jerseys and that I have no issue with gold helmets whatsoever. Also, can I change my Terry Mahadra question because I just thought of a better version of it? Yeah, sure. Um. Okay, Terry, forget that question. We're now using forget serum on the truth serum. Um, <laughs> forget if, serum. If, <laughs> it's probably I'll a better term for forget that. serum. It's forget serum. Um, if tomorrow the ACC decided to expand and they were going to add UCF and West Virginia, what would you do? Would you take the ACC offer or would you stay in the Big 12? Ooh, that's a good question. That's my new question for Terry Mahadur. That's a really good What would you do? I'd stay in the Big 12. For stability's but, for stability's sake, I would say probably that's the case. But the AC, like it, just geographically, the ACC always made so much more sense. It's so much more appealing, and, and also I think UCF would like destroy that league. Like there are so many teams that aren't good. Like it, like I'm so worried about UCF's transition to the Big Twelve because they have to start playing Baylor and TCU and Oklahoma State and West Virginia every year. And like the idea that if they went to the ACC, that could be Duke and Georgia Tech and Wake Forest and Virginia. It's yeah. like they would immediately <laughs> be good. Like. Um, but that's not even like a complete hypothetical. I'm not saying I'm not trying to start some rumor, but there have been a lot of reports over the last few weeks that the ACC is trying to find a way out of their grant of rights. And the only clear way is that they do have a pro rata expansion expansion clause in their contract, which means that ESPN has to pay them an equal share for any expansion teams and that they did discuss expansion. They even discussed West Virginia at one point. So it's not a totally out of left field, but I'm just curious for Terry's perspective. I'd feel like that would reveal a lot of his thoughts on the big 12 is would you immediately ditch for the ACC if you could? Yeah. Um, my question for Terry, the forget serum is off the table. Now we've got the truth serum back out. Uh, my question is, do you ever wish that you hadn't inherited this lazy river idea from Danny White? Like, is this something <laughs> I can you tell w- you the answer? Is this something you wanted to have? You would have wanted and brought up on your own? Or is this because like Danny White said it, put these plans out there, these renderings were out there and everybody started thinking about it and money got sent to it. Not enough money. And you're like, all right, well, I guess these new plans that I'm going to come up with are going to have to include this lazy river. Do you ever wish that you could just not have to deal with that? This first off, like I love the idea of administering truth serum for Terry Mahadra because truth be told, we could just tweet these at him and yeah. give us his answer. But th- you're saying that just get him on a Twitter space. <laughs> you're this is the first one that we can absolutely answer. He absolutely wanted the lazy river. There is he was a new AD. There is no reason that he had to kill the lazy river. And on top of that, he changed its purpose because now he wanted to be all hydrotherapy. He renamed it. And on top of all those things, he gave an interview where he talked about how much he loves water and how he (laughs) built waterfalls into the Arkansas State Stadium and how excited he is to have another water project. But is this is this an idea? That's what I'm wondering. Is this an idea that he would have come up with? I guess. Yeah, he doesn't wish that to answer my question that I asked him under the truth serum. He doesn't wish that. But is this something he would have come up with or would he have just put waterfalls in UCF Stadium? He would have just I don't think he would have come up. I think he would have just put waterfalls in UCF Stadium. My question for Danny White. I would like I like water. I would like waterfalls in UCF Stadium to be to be fair. Yeah. My question for Danny White might just be like, like, how did you come up with the water? Uh, Not the waterfall, (laughs) the lazy river. It is a real like I'd love to actually know because I have no idea. I don't think it's public. Like who was the person who in a meeting somewhere was like, we we, we could build a lazy river. Like we could do that. We're just like. Now I look at this. (laughs) Okay, my, my question for Scott Frost is kind of serious, but like we're just about to hit this run of questions that I have that are just so unserious. I, you told me earlier today before I had my questions that yours were funny, so I did serious ones to try to balance it out. So <laughs> okay. we'll be fine. It's a good mix. Um, mine. So my next one, we're going to talk to Danny White now. Um, Danny White's here. 
and well, I hope Danny. someone just like skipped ahead of the podcast and just hears Danny White's here as if like we're talking to him. <laughs> um, so this is something I don't think we've ever talked about on the podcast, but this is out there. So I'm allowed to say this. Um, oh God, are you sure it's out there? Well, I'm 100 sure. I don't know what you're going to say. So there was an article that you sent me at one point that was okay. You said this was because we talked about this and we were like, our mind was blown. Mark Daniels once said it on the radio. Our mind was blown that he said it. Then you like looked it up and found an article about it. And I don't remember this at all. So this will this be this question for Danny White. What was possibly going through your mind when you wanted to hire Greg Schiano over Scott Frost? <laughs> Are you an absolute madman? There are worse ones, man. Like they, I oh, feel like are. a lot of this is floating out there, but like I know Danny White has the reputation of being an amazing coach hirer and he earned it because all of his hires have been amazing. But like, man, with football, did he try some freaking weird ones? Can I can I say the other one? Is that out there? The before Hypel? Yeah. I think that's out there because it was rumored at the time. It's and... so long ago. Who cares if it wasn't out there? He wanted yeah. to hire Kevin Sumlin. And at the time, at the time, I liked Kevin Sumlin, so I was like, "Oh, yeah." We were stupid too when when we heard about that at the time. I was like, "I could see that; it could be a good hire." And the rumor rumor was at the time that Kevin Sumlin was kind of equivocating because he wanted to wait to see what else opened up, and they moved on and ended up with Joshua Heupel. But I like I I I just two just what would have been horrific hires because Greg Schiano, like you. Yes, yeah, you can say, oh, he's done pretty well at at Rutgers. All he's the ceiling at Rutgers, I guess, is he's hit eight wins, and that's it. I and also think sure, that Rutgers, Rutgers is the only fine. place on God's green earth where Greg Schiano can succeed. Like he was yeah. built to be Rutgers coach, and that's it. And my favorite part of that, if you remember, is that he he didn't take the UCF this job one. because he was holding out for Miami. He was yeah. hoping Miami might hire him. And if you yeah. don't know a lot about college football history, Miami did not hire him. No, it sure didn't. And but what's funny is like Danny White was like like the uh, frost was considered this amazing hire but he was such a culturally and everything such a could not have been more of a 180 from greg Schiano. and it's like how did you get from that to that that's, well, that's what i don't understand that's what i'm curious about too because you think about it you like think going from if you wanted to kind of stick with some of the same vibes you're going from george o'leary to greg Schiano, still a defensive tough-minded guy that's what you want Yeah, but the issue with and o'leary then, is he lost the locker room right. like going with another similar right. minded so guy why would you want to do that what was going through your mind dude? honestly maybe i mean his, that hiring process went so fast maybe he honestly talked with players in between those junctures and I was hope like so. you know maybe we <laughs> need to he, maybe we need to go a different way here whatever did go through his mind after that and whatever got him off of well i guess it was great so if greg shiano wasn't waiting for the miami job and greg shiano would have taken the job danny white would have been like okay yeah we're, we're good like here's here's the job what, what where is you that's a scary right thought is ucf in the big 12 if he was no. hired in 2016 no but i also like i irrational i just have an irrational i don't even know if it's irrational but i just don't i just don't like greg Schiano. i feel like there so. would have been like a huge influx of new jersey players on the roster if he yeah. had been hired it would have been absolute disaster so. Yeah, I don't know. I if I really would love to know what I'd love to hear an explanation from Danny on and this not only how he thought that was a good idea, but how did he pivot so dramatically? This was a good excuse and probably the only excuse I can think of to even ever bring this up on the podcast. So now we talked about it. I like it. I yeah. I, I was really scared when you were like because we've had to like oh yeah yeah like behind the curtain for the listeners like it, it and I'm actually gonna I'll actually I'll say it's you most of the time Bailey. Occasionally you're recording and you'll say a thing and I'll be like damn it and then it, it ends and I'll be like you can't say that like and I have to go cut it. <laughs> You've done it too though to be fair. You have been like You've oh, done wait, it a lot more there. than me though. But I don't think yeah. I have. Okay. Well, either way. 
And I do it ambiguous, ambiguously enough too, where it's like we could leave stuff in, but it's like eh, that's cool. what bothers me about the way you do it is you'll always say something and like you'll frame it in a way. And you're like, like, what do you? You're like in your head, you're like, what do you mean by that? And I yeah. could mean something completely different. Like that's the thing. I'm like, you could you could be speaking like it's just your own idea or like you know something, and I'm like, we can't. Whatever, it's fine. <laughs> it, it it's not a big deal. But anyway, all right. My question for Danny White: Truth serum handed to him in a nice glass with a couple of ice cubes. And I'm asking him, I also like we're doing this image. Like I'm imagining like we're sitting on like the, the front porch of like a, like a home, like during the summer, like drinking little like glasses of truth serum. It's I, don't know, I don't know why I'm also my, drinking it. In my, in my brain, we we're like sitting in like the Roth, like in Roth tower, just kind of like, like you and I are just in the room and like, we're cycling these figures like in and out of the room. Like, okay, Terry's left. And we're like, all right, you can, you can bring, uh, bring Danny in now. I like that idea. We're like, we're like, hello, Daniel. Uh, screw my screw my just hanging out with like a nice cold (laughs) glass on a summer day where we're in Roth Tower. It's it's like a job interview. All right. My question for Danny White is would you have left UCF if you knew the Big 12 invite was coming in a year? Oh, that's a really good one. Because by all accounts, he largely like let's be clear, Tennessee was not the first major job to offer him offer him while he was at UCF that happened a lot there were rumors I, ha- I have no idea if this is true but there were rumors at one point that FSU was sniffing around and I think Kansas maybe at one point there was someone else big in there too but he largely put the blame on him leaving and that he felt like he was kind of done at UCF like he built mm-hmm. what was meant to be built we learned after the fact that he didn't realize that facilities are a thing that need to be built and that's fine but either way he I mean UCF was in shambles across the board in athletics when he took over in 2015 all the sports were terrible he cleaned out all the coaches he hired a ton of great coaches Every program was blossoming and thriving at that point. He just kind of felt like he'd hit his ceiling. There was this amazing offer on the table. And and Tennessee wasn't just to step in and make money. I mean, Tennessee was a rebuild across the board. I mean, their athletics department was in shambles too. And he sees himself as a builder, so he left. And I'm curious if he'd known that he was just a year away from getting to have the very rare experience of transition a group of five team to a power five conference, if that would have enticed him to stick around. I don't think so. You think he still would have left? Like, I think the, the the idea probably would have been intriguing to him, but the fact that he did have the opportunity to go to Tennessee, which has all this money, and still build at a program that has all this money in the SEC, and the fact that he got a lot of money himself like for doing so, I think that still would have been enough to get him away. But it is something that maybe would have made him think twice, because, yeah, it's it would have been a new, interesting project for him. And I'm sure Terry's very excited that he now has this project. Because literally, like, he, he's talked about it before, and he said... What was the quote? He said he like he stepped in when he was the AD, like he stepped in with the bases loaded and he just had to hit a grand slam or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. Some baseball analogy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting one for for Danny. Hmm. Yeah, I, I know. know. I, I don't know. Like I said, I think I, I think I agree with you. I think he probably still would have left anyway, but it's just funny that I always found that interesting that this whole reasoning was like, well, we're done. We've achieved what we we can. <laughs> and then a year later it was like, go to the power five. Okay. And then then Terry gets in and he's like, What do you mean you were done? You have so much, you could have done so much more. <laughs> Terry Mahajer like, walked in and saw carpet and was like, Danny, what have you been doing for the last five years in this universe? <laughs> I mean, it sounded like Mahajer was stunned when he saw the facilities. I mean, he said that in interviews. He was like, wow, I can't believe how bad they are. So I don't know well, if Danny the, White just didn't see that as a priority. I'm not sure. It's the facilities thing. And then also uh, Terry gets in. And he's like looking like at a big, big, big calendar, like a four year calendar. He's like, all right, which like what games can I start looking forward to in 2025? He's like, oh, there are none. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. no arguing Danny White was an awesome athletic director, probably the best in school history, but like his flaws were notable flaws. Like yeah. the whole, what if we don't schedule football games? That would be, <laughs> that would, that would be just have a bunch of open Saturdays. Yeah. I just hang out. Yeah. Scrimmage, a bunch of spring yeah. games. Um. All right. So the next one is Josh Heupel and you'll go first here before I completely take us off the rails. 
All right. My question for Josh Heupel, now that the truth serum has been given to him in a lovely glass, is um, how much of what was wrong with UCF under your tenure was Randy Shannon's fault? All right. Wait, I kind of I kind of want to ask mine because mine's like similarly tied to that. And it just gives us a, a chance to talk about how insane the idea of like two separate head coaches were that one takes the offense, one takes the defense and they just like don't know each other. Okay, go um, ahead. Ask your... So my question for Josh Heupel here, now that I've handed him a big glass of truth serum, can you name oh now my dog's barking. Uh can you name 10 defensive players who played under you from 2018 <laughs> to 2020? Cuz I'm not entirely sure he'd be able to. He could be like, yeah, there was 8, 21, yeah. 7. <laughs> he was like, I think there was a guy named his name was like Titus or something like that. Uh He'd be like, just... who was that big guy we put in to win the AAC championship? What was that guy's <laughs> name? So yeah, I'm curious. Can, can he name any uh, ten defensive players? Because okay, I'm well, sure you we... can name like the big star, like one or two stars. But then he'd probably be like, ah, oh, there's the the that guy, and then the fourth one, and yeah, him. That big <laughs> that corner that we had. Man, that corner that we had. I um, he'd be like, yeah, I can name the four we kicked off the team in 2020. <laughs> um, <laughs> he probably couldn't though. He actually That's probably couldn't. He actually probably could. I mean, listen, Gus can't name his own offensive players. I mean, we've yeah, got his true. tall young freshman, so who knows? I've actually wondered about that a lot because, like, a college football roster is like a hundred plus guys, massive. 85 on scholarship. It's like you can't. There's probably no just, way the head coach. You just know no numbers, probably. I'm sure you know numbers, but it must be yeah. awkward when you're like walking in, like you know, like the Wayne Dench lobby or whatever, and a player walks by, he's like, "Hey, coach," and he's like, "Hi, tall hey, young freshman." Like, I like, just feel you're like, like, "Hey, sport." <laughs> hey, sport. <laughs> Hey, son. What's hey, up, chief. Kid? I don't know. I can't imagine I he's just walking down the hallway and is like, hey, 24. Like, I don't I don't think he'd do that, but who knows? No. Anyway. Probably not. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. I the, the thing that we don't, the thing that we don't talk about enough with that whole situation was that Danny White, and this is the third thing Danny White did really badly, was that Danny White hired Josh Heupel and Randy Shannon at the same time. Josh Heupel did not hire Randy Shannon and all reports and indications at the time were that they were kind of co-coaches like yes Josh Heupel was the head coach and had more power but he didn't necessarily have the power to dictate anything to Randy Shannon and by the time that Heupel had left and that staff had left there were serious locker room problems that we'd heard a lot about and a lot of them were there were mixes of there were Frost guys versus Heupel guys and there were mixes of offense versus defense and when Gus came in more than a few players talked to media and said how it was like he, that staff came in and for the first time ever they were talking with defensive players and hanging out with defensive players and I mean they basically tried to run two separate teams and it, listen obviously it was a terrible idea but I just think like I'd love to hear Heupel's take on that and how much yeah. of what he feels went wrong was due to that I mean you look at 2020 where they went six and four and we can make all the jokes we want about how Heupel had three plays and blah 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 but that team was putting up 40 plus points a game like it was nothing and losing games all and the that's time. what I was going to say too is like it's it's probably hard enough to like maintain a unified locker room when you're running both sides of the ball completely separately like as two different teams but it's easier to do so when you at least have like you're winning you're winning games and things are going well but when you're in 2020 COVID probably adds a whole another element to it in some, in some ways, but also like you look at a game like the Memphis game when UCF scores, what they score 50 points, I think. Yep. And they lose, I think they lost 51 to 50 or something think, like that. Yeah. And they lost like 50 to 49 or 51 yeah, to 50. Something, something like that. that. And you lose a game like that. You lose a couple games like that that year. And you're just like, you're the offensive guys. And you're like, what, like, what are you guys doing on that side of the ball? I mean, even the games they won that year, like they had like even the blowouts or ended up looking like blowouts, they would be shootouts. The USF game was like, wasn't like 58 to 45 or 58, 46 or something like that. Yeah, you went, I'm just looking at their 2020 schedule now. You look and it was Georgia Tech, they beat 49-21. East Carolina, they beat 51-28. Then Tulsa, they lost 26-34. That was the other thing if you're the offense that year is like, if you have one off game, you're going to lose. Yeah. And 
Memphis, they lost 50 to 49. Tulane, they put up 51 points on, but they allowed 34. Yeah, it was like every game was like that. The year Cincinnati, they put up 33, but lost. USF, they've scored 58 points and won by less than two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, and and like, and it's not like that was entirely on Randy Shannon because with the opt-outs and everything. Oh, yeah. But it's more just like, I'd love to hear Heupel's take on that situation and what he thinks UCF would have been like if he'd had full control because I'm sure he would have preferred to have full control. I would like to hear that too, and I would like to hear if he could name 10. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, Scott Frost is now entering the room. Um, Welcome back, I had- Scott. I have like one joke question for him and one serious question. Should I do the serious one first? Do the joke one first. The joke one first. All right. Give me just, this is more so a demand and within a question, but give me the thought behind wearing a red and white checkered shirt today, the AAC title game, with all the rumors going on that you're leaving for Nebraska. I can tell you the like, thought behind it. The was thought that, was he was about to be announced as Nebraska. Yeah, but coach. was that, was that intentional? Yes. Like why? But why? Because he was about to be announced as Nebraska's head coach. Okay. But wh- what does that have? Like what? Why? I don't know. Because like that makes it doesn't make any sense. Even though like yes, we knew at the point at that point he was going to be Nebraska's head coach. Like, what does he get out of wearing red and white when you're about to go prepare for? You're not prepare. You're about to go play a conference championship game. Just wear a white shirt. Wear a black shirt. I don't care. Do people think that's a but, coincidence? Because I'd never thought. No, I don't think so. Like, I, I, I always I, assumed that was intentional. And it's it's less so like me asking him if it was intentional, and more so like why. Not not why like why red and white. Obviously, it's Nebraska's colors, but like. What did you get from doing that? Like, it made no know. sense. It was just an odd, it was a bizarre thing. And now he it, also has right. all those photos where he's walking down like the night walk thing or whatever. And he's got the <laughs> red and white shirt on. But my real question. But it was also him, like, it wasn't even like there, you know, like everyone knew he was going to Nebraska at that point. Yeah. It wasn't a surprise at all. Which is, I know, which is why it makes it even more bizarre to me that he was just like, yep, this is happening. Yeah. Can I throw in a really, to prove it. Can I throw in a really quick Scott Frost joke one too? Sure. That I just thought of as we're talking about like things. That, here's a thing. See here, I have a question for Scott Frost. Is it true that when the white knight head jerseys r- arrived, you looked at them and said, oh, we're not wearing those, and that's why they were not seen in 2017? Because <laughs> that's the thing I heard at the time that happened. Interesting. Okay. My real question for Scott Frost, um, who do you think deserves more credit for UCF's turnaround, you or Mackenzie Milton? Oh, that is a good one. Wow. He curious. would say him because coaches have egos. Right. He would absolutely say him, and he would say that he brought in Mackenzie Milton, and he, yeah. brought, and he would say that he actually tried really hard to get Mackenzie Milton to Oregon, and they said no. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. I think I, maybe just, I don't know if these are my thoughts or Scott's thoughts, but Scott's thoughts, Scott's thoughts, Scott's thoughts. Scott's wow. thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. What that's an, that's an, yeah. but yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting one because wow, I'm thinking about this now. I'm sure he would say him it, if he was asked in public. He'd say Milton, but this is truth serum we're talking about. I'm sure he would say he because he would also say I'm just acting as Scott Frost spokesman now. He would also say that while Mackenzie Milton was obviously the catalyst of that team that I could have done it with any quarterback like him or something like that. No, I wasn't going to say, wow, we're demeaning Milton. No, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say that he would point out that he also brought in the vast majority of the playmakers on that team from Gabe Davis to, well, Gabe Davis wasn't a huge part of that team, but you know, Adrian Killens and Otis Anderson, and he helped unearth Shaquem who was buried on the bench. I, you know, like a lot of the line, you know, I, I think he'd say that that team was a lot more than Milton and he was the architect of that team. It's a good point. Good point, Scott Spokesman. Let me say one um, more uniform thing. Is I feel like I can't prove it, but I feel like that if UCF never redesigned their uniforms when Scott Frost came in, they wouldn't have gone undefeated in 2017. Like I can't see that team going undefeated wearing the 2013 era uniforms. <laughs> you think some of those players wouldn't have wouldn't have committed and wouldn't have come play for them? I think they, they would have still... just played worse if they'd had those. Like they wouldn't have had swagger if they were in those uniforms. Like you know, like that that 2017 team just felt so cool. That's what I know? love about like statements like that, though. Is like you can't back it up, but you don't have to. 
yeah I don't know I just feel like that team would not have had the cool factor it had and the way and they really played into that if they'd been wearing the gold jerseys I just don't buy yeah. it all right, we're really running up against time here. We need you to ask Scott okay. Frost this question now. Um, my question for Scott Frost is, how close really were you to staying at UCF? Because mm-hmm. it's been widely, I mean, we're years past this now. Like, everyone knows that it was apparently very close. I think a lot closer than any national fans would realize, but even a lot of UCF fans realize. And I'd love to sit down with him and just straight up ask, how close were you? Like, really, how close of a decision was this? Was there ever a reality where you did stay at UCF? I wonder what UCF would look like now. Like, would he stayed? stayed? Would he still be here now? Or do you think um, another he, couple of years he, would have gone by? And... No, if he turned down Nebraska, he wouldn't have left for anywhere. Yeah. I think UCF, I don't know. I, I hate that hypothetical because I think UCF would be a lot better right now than they currently are. And it's not that UCF's bad right now. I just think that they were set up with Frost. He was their fickle, you know? And I think they would have really taken off if he'd stayed. That's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. It, it was, it did seem from everything we've read and heard, it seemed very close and, I think ultimately, obviously, like the whole family aspect of it was what ended up pulling him away. Yeah, that's which what is why even like. as as poorly as things went there, I don't know that he'd even regret it. Probably. Yeah, and it's why I didn't because... really. I don't have any ill will towards Scott Frost. No, I. You know what? What really like I was sad and upset when he left, but more so just we were losing Scott Frost, and then the whole month that he spent going back and forth between Nebraska and then preparing UCF for the Peach Bowl and then winning the Peach Bowl that like destroyed my chance to have any ill will toward him because I was like, yeah. He didn't have to do that. Yeah, he didn't. No have, one does that. People got still mad at him after that. It's like no one does that. Mike Norvell ditched Memphis immediately after he got the FSU <laughs> job, and they got killed in the Cotton Bowl. I mean, that, that that was a big deal. That's why they won that game. They would not have won that game if he hadn't come back. And I mean, I will be totally honest. I was rooting for him to fail in Nebraska. Um, but, but not really because had, of him, more so because of the national narratives and stuff, right? Yeah, because it's been so long now. It's not the narrative at all anymore. But that very first year after Frost left, the national narrative was very much that UCF was this nothing program and Scott Frost was just amazing. And UCF was going to go back to being nothing. And like literally it was it, you would read articles from ESPN and whoever that would be like Scott Frost, who just capped off an undefeated season or Scott Frost, who just like it, nothing about like it was UCF was just an afterthought. It was just Scott Frost's vehicle for his talent. And that really pissed me off. So in the coming years when Nebraska couldn't get anything going and UCF continued to be very good, that was comforting to me. So, <laughs> nice. All right. Well, our last our last participant in this truth serum activity, Mr. George O'Leary. I think you're Welcome. first, right? Or am I first? Chair. Um, you're first this time. All right, Coach, what do you really think about NIL? No, that's not my question for George O'Leary. We already um, know. He's already gone yeah. on the radio and told everyone. <laughs> We've reached the point where you really just should not give a mic to George O'Leary under any circumstances. Never. But if George O'Leary was under the influence of truth serum, I would ask him, were you really going to retire after the Ireland game in 2014? <laughs> that's a good one. I did think about that. There were. I did we talk about it on the podcast last week or after the podcast? Because I know we talked about I it. I think, yeah, I think we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, there were rampant rumors at the time that O'Leary was going to retire after one game of the 2014 season because they were going to play in Ireland. Then he would just be like, I'm done. And I, we still, that got like officially reported. And then O'Leary was like, that's ridiculous. And like, it, it, it came from somewhere. And I'd love to know <laughs> if there was a point in time where he was going to coach one game of a season and then quit. I, that would have been so, so strange. Yeah, I, I do. I would be curious to know if that was a real thought that he had. I feel like it has to it, at least have been a conversation because it, it was way too well reported for it to have just been something someone made up. Yeah, it's true. All right. My question for George O'Leary. Um, what are your thoughts on the style of offense, and the overall style of play that UCF has adopted since your departure? 
Oh, I'm sure he would. I don't he even want to hear that answer. I think yeah. he, because I, 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 you know, the, the inspiration for this um, came from a text conversation we had years ago. I just was like kind of looking up things we've talked about about George O'Leary. And he was like quoted, I think, in the Orlando Sentinel saying something about like when Heupel was still here, talking about Josh Heupel's offense. And it was like a very, I don't want to say backhanded comment, but it was very much like, I'm just going to say this to be nice and like not really give you my thoughts on it. Right. I think he said something like he does a good job of like moving the chains or something like that. And like, <laughs> and like using his players well or something. It was something like that. Where it was like, he didn't, he clearly did not want to talk about the offense going fast and them playing bad defense and all that stuff. So curious. It's funny how time changes though. Cause it's not like we talk about how O'Leary played like an, or the team ran an old school style of football. It's like, it wasn't that was just how it was. Then. It was just yeah. how it was. And I wonder like if, you know, 30 years from now or something when every team uses multiple quarterbacks at the same time, if they're going to sit down Scott Frost and be like, what do you think of this, this new stuff? And he'll be like, it, it moves the chains, you know, <laughs> like it's just kind of funny how over time things evolve. My, my more so of a joke question for, for George O'Leary was, did you tr- truly believe that your quarterback wouldn't be able to see his receivers if the team was wearing black during night games? I almost, my question was almost, were you stunned by the result of the 2017 war on I-4 when Milt was able to throw multiple touchdowns to receivers in black jersey? <laughs> because I, I did have that thought. I was like, did you, did you really believe that? Or did you just really not want them to wear black jersey? And that was your excuse. There was a story is... one time that UCF's equipment manager back, I believe this was in 2012, was they were going to redesign. This ended up becoming the 2013 redesign, I believe. And he handed O'Leary a booklet of some concepts he'd come up with for O'Leary <laughs> to look over. And O'Leary opened the booklet, turned a couple pages, looked at the equipment manager, and threw the booklet across the room and said nothing. And it was because he had come to a photo of black pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a real thing that happened. Like, I, ask him about I, just, that. I don't know. He was an interesting guy. Not a fan of black jerseys. Shame that he ended up coaching for a team whose literal primary color was black. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but we're we're all out of truth here. Yeah, we are. We, we're running our, our supply. Is, our supply is gone. We should have come up with truth serum questions for each other. Um, I can't think of one on the spot, honestly. <laughs> I, I I have mine immediately. I, that that worries me, and I don't <laughs> and know if it, I want you to ask it. And it would be how much does your LSU fandom compete with your UCF fandom? Oh, you but you know the answer to that. I know what you say. It doesn't though. Sure. All right. Maybe, maybe I mean, the truth. Maybe you say the same under truth serum. They played head to head, and I was devastated when UCF lost. So. Yeah, but okay, but it's it's there's two ways to look at that because yes, I'm not I'm not saying that you're as much of an LSU fan as you are a UCF fan, but I think you played down how much of an LSU fan you are because the day that UCF won the Peach Bowl, their biggest game in program history, you were upset about LSU losing the Citrus Bowl. That's that's revisionist history. You said on this podcast before you've mentioned how I'm texting you in the back on on the back of the car on the way back from Atlanta, and you mentioned you like oh shame about LSU, and I texted you back I don't care. I did I tell how, you that. And I wonder you've how said that quickly, on this podcast before. I, I, how I can't find I it. I can find five-year-old text messages. I'm trying to I've pull gotten a really, new phone. Really I swear, I swear you, I don't, I don't even really remember it myself as much as I thought you have told that story on this podcast. Was the Peach before. Bowl, was the Peach Bowl, um, I found what? it. Did you? Wow, I love that. I never delete text. Yeah, I found it January 1st, twenty. What did I say? <laughs> I said, <laughs> oh, I just saw that LSU lost. I'm sorry. And you replied, yeah, I don't care. Today was great. <laughs> It's okay. See, I'm vindicated. I swear you said something to me about being sad that LSU lost. Uh, I mean, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was probably a couple hours later. I was like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> I, was like, no, I, was like, I started watching LSU highlights. I think it was later in that conversation where I was like, oh, it does suck they lost, though. <laughs> well, wow, you I... ever see like how you used to text and just cringe? Oh, yeah. I mean, I did that today. 
I so. God, we were like different people. I texted you the I texted you after that night and I said, today is a fantastic day, but I'm a little <laughs> sad because I just remember that UCF football season is over with a sad face. <laughs> That sounds that seems nothing like, like me. That seems like a text you send me today, but like being like being like joking, right? Yeah, like overly like yeah. Because we and do I that just said that as too. a real text. And you replied and said, time to get hyped for UCF baseball with four exclamation points. <laughs> Not a good Man. not a good thing to do. Um, all right, let's jump into the football news here as we just went into our five-year-old text messages on a podcast that was already running long. <laughs> um Quick, quick news section here. FAMU transfer defensive end Kamari Stevens. Talked about him two weeks ago, and I mentioned how he was planning to visit that weekend, and you said, wait, hold on. Just tweeted that he's no longer visiting. Turns out he did visit after all, so <laughs> he did get on campus. What a roller coaster this player who is still not even currently a UCF Knight has been. Yeah. Um, someone who is a UCF Knight, USF transfer quarterback Gunnar Smith, visited UCF, uh, went and said he, or he had UCF QB in his bio before anything was announced, and then he announced his commitment. So they got another quarterback in the room, I guess. I am almost um, certain this is not a scholarship quarterback, but welcome. It doesn't seem, doesn't seem like that's the case, but there are U- more USF high school commits than UCF high school commits in the UCF quarterback room now. Yeah. And they were both from the Orlando area, which I find funny. Yep. Um, UCF's hosting another bounce house weekend, June 2nd through the 4th, uh, which is next weekend. I'm um, starting to see some players commit for that. And then I, we don't have as much time to get into this as I thought we might, but 247's Brad Crawford named JRP the most dynamic athlete at quarterback entering 2023, and it has set college football Twitter ablaze. And I I saw it. You sent it to me, and I was like, who made what, what UCF fan made this? And then I realized it was literally a 247 writer. And I no. we don't have time to get into it, but I don't agree with it. And I'm not here to like slander JRP. I just think no, that people just... I just think that it was my issue with when I talked about how people last year would talk about how we have a dual threat quarterback. I'm like, UCF doesn't have a dual threat quarterback. They have a run first quarterback that he can't do the other thing. Like he can't successfully throw the ball and not dynamic to me kind of means the same thing. Like a guy who can do it all. And like, if the list was like the best athletes at quarterback, I absolutely think he has a case for number one, but I would not yeah. describe him as dynamic. I, I, he, he, he played, I, I, I was talking with someone else about this earlier and I pointed out that he played, three power five teams in 2022 and he accounted for one total touchdown against those teams like that that doesn't seem dynamic to me yeah most dynamic athletes and he's ahead of lsu's Jaden daniels florida state's jordan travis caleb williams the reigning heisman trophy winner um to be fair it's the, not like an amazing list like isn't emory jones on there yeah that's the thing the fact that emory jones is on the list in the top 10 ahead of alabama's new quarterback is even more so yeah probably more egregious or just as egregious, but it's a strange list that I'm surprised exists. Um, more JRP talk. What did he do this week? He did a lot. UCS baseball has been playing a lot uh, last week in Tuesday's 11 to seven win over Bethune Cookman. He went over three with a strikeout and a hit by pitch um, on Friday, 16 to 15 win over Wichita state. He went two for five with a double, a walk, a stolen base and three runs scored. And they played a second game on uh, a doubleheader on Friday. I lost 12 to seven. He went over three with three strikeouts. Not such a great game. Uh, and Saturday's five, four win over Wichita state. He went one for three with two strikeouts and he made a fantastic uh, defensive player. He threw runner out um, showing off his arm. And so finished the regular season playing 55 games to 284 average 389 on base percentage, 514 slugging 10 home runs, 10 doubles, a triple 32 RBIs, 15 hit by pitches and 18 stolen bases. And then just this morning, on Tuesday morning, UCF opened the AAC tournament with a more dramatic than it needed to be, a 4-3 win over Cincinnati. 
He went two for four with a double and a run scored, which takes us nicely into game of the week as UCF baseball, I think, is the only one still playing of the major right of the major ones. Yeah. Who else is? I was trying to think who else is still. Playing. I always just save the major just, ones in case I forgot yeah. one of the smaller sports. So. I don't know if tennis is still. I don't honestly know no idea what's going on. But yeah, baseball, the, mo- the major one still going on. Um, so they're now into the winners bracket, and they are surprisingly playing USF on Thursday at one p.m. So they get Wednesday off, and then we'll play USF, the eight seed, who upset number one seed ECU in an eleven inning game. A lot of pitchers used. It should set up favorably favorably for UCF, which means when we're talking to you next week. We'll be talking about how they ended up losing the next two games. Yeah, they're being played. gifted a remarkably easy path here, which and ECU might just lose. I still like, don't want to say I mean, easy because they have to win three more games. Yeah, but so uh, if, uh, if they not don't lose easy, a game, but, but a pretty remarkably easier than expected path. Yeah, I guess is how afraid is that. Yeah, so and I feel we'll like there's a high see. chance they will just lose to USF and then lose again, and that'll be that. But we'll see what they do we'll with see. it. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. For Tweet of the Week, this week, we go to Matt Baker, Tampa Bay Times reporter. He oh, Once God. again, he he's not really getting Tweet of the Week. It's more the information that he is presenting in a tweet. But anyway, I'm just going to yeah. go ahead and read it. USF Board of Trustees Vice Chair today on the $340 million stadium. Quote, we may not be the quickest, but we do things the right way at USF. We will have water fountains in the stadium. UCF notably did not have water fountains when the bounce house opened. So that was Matt Baker's. Yes, the uh, last part that. was he added that UCF notably did not have found water fountains when the bounce house opened. I point out that UCF notably is also in the Power Five and USF is not. But I just want to take a moment to think about things for a second. USF, at the time that the bounce house opened, was a BCS team. That was a power conference. They were a power team. UCF was their sad, dorky little brother who they wanted to ignore. And in the time since then, UCF has grown into a national brand and is now in the Big 12. USF has fallen out of the power five ended up in the best group of five conference that has now fallen to not being the best group of five conference. There are, we're up to like 10 group of five teams who are being discussed as expansion candidates for the ACC, the big 12 and the PAC 12 and UCF is not, or USF, excuse me, is not on any of the lists. Glad we both done that today. I know it's hard. They're not mentioned. They're not even in the conversation. They're stuck in a league with temple and Tulsa and rice and Charlotte and North Texas with literally no way out. And their administration this is this is the recipe for why they're so terrible. Their administration still actually looks down on UCF. They still <laughs> think they are in a position to trash UCF. They who waited 20 years to build a football stadium still have not built one, have the guts to say that they're doing things the right way because when UCF opened a stadium, it didn't have water fountains the first game. Yeah. It blows my mind. I, I Like I said, it, it just what was wild to me was the realization that that administration, I'm not just talking about athletics, but the actual school, they truly still think they're better than UCF. And that is hilarious to me. It's just hilarious. Yeah, I would, just, I would like to congratulate them on doing things the right way. They've done things so well and so correctly in the right way that they are in this version of the AAC. Like that, that is, how can you even say that? I don't know. They've watched their program decline to depths that weren't even imaginable for them 10 years ago. Even, and they think they're doing things the right way to even acknowledge that we may not be the quickest, but we do things the right way. That's not I don't think that's why like they're I think they panicked now where they realized, oh, we should have done this a long time ago. It's, that's the other thing that's hilarious. It, it's, it's, it's hilarious for them to say they're doing things the right way when as recently as three years ago, their fans would show up my mentions and talk about the luxury seats in their in their uh, NFL stadium and when how we play in NFL stadiums. Like, okay, cool. UCF gets invited to the Big Twelve a so week later. A week later, they're building a stadium. 
And they and they're like, we're doing things the right way. You're only doing this because UCF has surpassed you in every way imaginable. They're just hilarious, sad people. I don't even know what to. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I also and it actually and here's the second take on it is it makes me even more sad that the UCF USF rivalry is dying. Like this is a rivalry so intense. You've got board of trustee vice chairs like slandering the amenities of an opposing team stadium. Like how, this this is such From, a pure college it? football. Sixteen rivalry. years ago. From sixteen years ago, and this rivalry is going away. That makes me sad. But hey, maybe if they had done things the right way and built a stadium 20 years ago, they'd be coming to the Big 12 with UCF, but they are not. They sure aren't. Um, we want to thank you guys a lot for listening um, to us administer this truth serum to these key UCF figures. Also talking about uniforms and uh, just a whole lot was covered today, I think. A lot of a lot of stuff from the last recent history of UCF football and UCF athletics. Um, we want to continue to please uh, ask you guys for five-star reviews wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Reminder that if you leave a question in your five-star review, we will answer it on the podcast within reason, of course. Leave that little disclaimer because some of you are insane. Um, but we will be back next week with episode 141. Until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at by CA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.